But let's, uh, let's open our Bibles to, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians tonight. Thank you so much for being here. I did not type out my scriptures, so this is going to be a little slower tonight, if that's all right. I did not type out my scriptures, so I'll have to go to these verses. So what we'll do is we'll just take a little time this evening. This will be on the screen for you, so probably you're going to get to it quicker than I am. Is that all right? So tonight we're, in, we're going to really focus in on 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, I want to read the last verse of chapter 12, and we'll look at this chapter. Now, we know what chapter this is. Somebody shout at me and tell me what this chapter is. The, the love chapter. All right. I've uh, done many weddings in my ministry, and many weddings read this, but this is really not about weddings. Okay, this is not about, but it is about love. And isn't it a beautiful description of love? So we're going to pretty much camp here. Now I'm going, to, I'm going to go to a few places by way of introduction just to stir our hearts toward this. Now I'm going to show you where my title is. My title actually is in the last part of chapter 12. Look at verse 31, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. So, so what's the subject? The subject is gifts. Now we know in the original there's no, no chapter division, so this all flows together. He's saying seek the greater gifts and, and look at me. We do want the greater gifts, but we want them for the right reason. Don't we want to minister as effectively for the Lord as we can? Don't we want to touch people and help people with the gospel and, and minister to the hurting and, and be a blessing? So when the gifts are flowing in the church, we're a blessing. That's what the gifts do. The gifts are not for us. I mean, when you have a gift, you don't go buy yourself a gift. You buy a gift for someone else. And that's what a gift is. When God anoints you to use that gift, it's like the Holy Spirit's unwrapping that gift to bless someone with healing or a word of encouragement, prophecy, or a word of knowledge, etc. So these are gifts that are for what? The common good. That means they're for the good of the body and that we're to be looking out. And, and so we're going to see that. But here's my title. I will show you, I show you a still more excellent way. And that's my title, A More Excellent Way. So I want to talk about that more excellent way. And we know what that way is. That more excellent way is the way of God's grace and love. Now, look at me a second before I read. I saw something today, and I think most of you have seen it, this, this horrible, terrible thing that happened in Dallas, the trial of the, of the police officer lady, the police lady that walked in the wrong apartment, thought it was her apartment, and killed an innocent man. Heart-wrenching. Just heart-wrenching. I can't imagine sitting on my couch and somebody walking in the first thing you would do is walk toward them if somebody walked in your house. And then the police lady shot him. And she was sentenced today. But one of the most powerful things that I've seen in a very long time, and it really goes right along with what I want to say this evening, it is an illustration, a part of these verses here. That brother, the brother of the man that was killed, he got on the stand, as, as they do right before sentencing, and told the lady that killed his brother, I forgive you. I wish you well, I love you as a person, and I, I, I don't wish you any harm. I, w I, wish that you, I want you to receive Christ as your Lord. The greatest thing you could do is receive Christ as your Lord. And then after all that, I was like, I'm watching this, and I'm just, the tears are flowing. And then this happened. He asked the judge, will you let me hug her? And it was like a pause, and finally the judge says yes. And this brother who had been the one wrong the family was the one wronged went over there and hugged this lady one of the most powerful things that i have seen in a very long time and the lady was sentenced and she should have been sentenced you can't kill someone in their own home and walk scot-free so 
we believe, and so whatever that is, it is. Whether you think it was right, wrong, um, but what a powerful testimony. A powerful, not just a testimony, a living illustration of the mercy of God. So tonight we talk about a more excellent way. Now I want you to notice something with me. Look, look at, before we read this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10. Notice this. This is what, if you had gone to First Assembly in Corinth. Look at verse 10. Here's what you would have experienced, at least partly. He says, Now I exhort you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, all of, that you all agree that there be no division among you, but that you be complete... Made complete in the same mind, in the same judgment. And then, he, and then he begins to say here in verse 11, Inform concerning you, my brethren, close people, that there are quarrels among you. And then he starts talking about this division and these quarrels and these little groups that were breaking up. And one was the Paul group and the, Paul and the Cephas group and all of this. And, there's just, and, and so if you had gone to that church and you worshipped there, certainly you would have felt that. You would have sensed that. And, and what we're going to look at in 1 Corinthians 13 is, is the core issue here. I mean, there's lawsuits going on here. There's division. There's the services were really, really I mean, the gifts were, are wonderful, but gifts can be abused. The gifts are being abused here. But the issue wasn't just the gifts. That's, that's a fruit of the issue uh, or the abuse of the gifts. Not, not the, right, the right use of the gift is wonderful. The right use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Bless the church. We want these gifts. But when they're not used, when they're, when they're flowing through hearts that are people that are not mature spiritually and full of God's grace, then you, this is what you would have sensed here, surely. But, but notice this, just by way of introduction, Acts chapter 11, here's a powerful verse, and I often think about this verse, and this is a verse that I pray for our church, and it's Acts 11, verse 23. Now, let me give you context here. Barnabas and a revival began to take place in Antioch. One of the greatest revivals ever recorded happened in Antioch. One of the great mission-sending works of the world happened in Antioch. They began to hear of God's movement. See, what happens is when the enemy causes persecution, when the church is persecuted, it doesn't destroy the church. It's like fanning the embers. You ever remember a campfire and the wind blow the embers and the embers just fly everywhere? Persecution does that. It fans the embers. And then the, the persecution and the Christians begin to spread out, and it looked horrible. But God says, no, it's not horrible. It's wonderful. The gospel is going out. And it went all the way to Antioch. And those people there took hold of the gospel. The, the soil was right. And one of the great mission-sending churches of the world was Antioch. So this early revival is taking place. And so Barnabas, one of the great spiritual men of the world, he heard, and, and so the church sent him. See what's going on there. Notice chapter, 20, chapter 11, verse 23. When he, Barnabas, arrived, and notice this, and witnessed the grace of God. Do you see that? He witnessed the grace of God. He rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. So he would have experienced something completely different at Corinth than he did at, at Antioch of Syria. What did, he experience, what, would, what did Paul experience in Corinth? He experienced tension. There was immaturity. There was abusive gifts. There was lawsuit. There was little divisions going on. And it was, it's hard to minister in that kind of situation. 
What would he have experienced in Barnabas or in, in Acts in Syria, of Antioch? The grace of God. Grace was there. There was, there was something there of the grace of God. And isn't that what we all want when we come together to have that kind of love, that kind of grace among us? So think about this tonight, a more excellent way. What's the most important thing in the Christian life? A lot of important things. Well, I think the most important thing has to go with the most important command. So what's the most important command in the Scripture? I mean, when you, when you look at all this, this huge Bible, thousands of words, what's the, what's the most important commands? Can anybody shout it out? What do you think it is? There it is. Grayson had to prime the pump here. Matthew 22, we have it, don't we? Matthew 22, Grayson spoke it out. Matthew 22, teacher, verse 35. And, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. What is the great commandment? What's the, uh, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said, here's what Jesus said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and the foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love the Lord, or you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, these two commands, all the laws and the prophet, everything hangs on those two. You can, in other words, boil it all down to the, the, the lowest common denominator. What, what is it all about? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when you do that, what's going to happen? The fruit of that is all those relationships. The, world's, the world, uh, your world's going to fall into place in the perfect plan and will of God if we get that right. So that's, that's the great command. The most important thing is the most important command. And so what Paul is doing here, he's talking to this Corinthian church. He's really in the 12th chapter dealing with unity. He talks about the gifts, but it's not primarily about the gifts. There's, there's, a, there's a more underlying principle, and that is unity out of diversity. And he said, look at this example. Look at this a beautiful diversity in unity and unity in diversity. Look at these gifts flowing. And then Paul comes to this 13th chapter, and he gives the principle. The most important thing, I've called it a more excellent way. It's the, listen, it's the royal way, amen? It's the king's highway. It's the way that Jesus lived. It's the way that we want to live. Now, as I read these verses tonight, I can guarantee you, if you, if you truly love the Lord, you're going to be humbled. Because when I read these, I, I see areas that I've failed the Lord many, many times. I mean, I don't read this and go, yeah, wow, great. I, I read this and go, I need to get on my knees. Because this is a high, high principles here. But it is God's plan. But I remind you, as, I, as we go through this, we're not to live for the Lord in our own strength. Listen, we have the Holy Spirit to help us to live Christ in you, right? The hope of glory. So what, th think about this. Now, just another couple verses and we'll jump into chapter 13. What's, what's the goal of all this? Look at what Paul says this. It'll be on the screen. 1 Timothy 1.5. 1 Timothy 1.5. I don't know if I gave you that one. But the goal of the instruction is love from a pure heart. The goal of the instruction is love from a pure heart. What is the goal of teaching tonight? The goal of the teaching is not to just amass knowledge. It's not just to get knowledge of God's Word. God, the knowledge of God's Word is incredible. It's, a, it's a, one of the greatest things ever. But the Lord said the goal of that is a life of love. That's the goal. And then 
Jesus said there's an identifying mark upon his true people. And that is this. This is John 13, 34 and 5. All men shall know you're my disciples because you have great services. Because you move in the gifts. Because you sing contemporary songs. Because you're talented. No, none of that. He said the identifying mark that will mark and identify my people is that they will love one another. So let's look at this chapter tonight. As I said, I, did not, uh, I didn't type these, so it's going to be a little more laborious, but, but that's all right. Maybe that's what the Lord wants. First thing I want to say is this. Notice, first of all, there's incredible gifts he mentions, but he talks about ministry without love. Think about that. Can ministry happen without love? Yeah, I'm going I'm to read it to you. So Paul's saying in the first three verses, and I'll read these, he's talking about ministry without love. And, and look at what value he puts on this. Now let's read it. Chapter 13, verse 1 of Corinthians. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and to know all mysteries, notice the all, notice all the alls, all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, notice he's hyperbole, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love. How much is he? I'm a nothing. I'm nothing. I am nothing. Verse 3. And if I give my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And this is God's love. It's a godly love. It's a supernatural love. It's a different kind of love. It's, it's a love that has a concern for other people. It's deep. It's, it's an otherness. And it's, a, it's really, it's not the love of feeling, but it's the love of choice. It's a love that chooses to act in loving ways. So think about this. Ministry, ministry without love is what he's talking about. This. If I can do all these really incredible, these are, these are really incredible gifts, supernatural gifts he's talking about. I mean, we're talking about someone, Paul has mentioned someone moving in the supernatural power of God. The first thing he talks about is tongues of men and angels. Tongues are unique to this dispensation or this or the church age. It's not something that was in the Old Testament. It's not something probably that will be in the future. It's going to cease. We're going to read that. It's a unique sign gift to this age, this church age. And I think it's very important to our Christian lives. I'm not teaching about tongues, but I was someone who wasn't raised in a church that even taught it. When I, when I gave my heart to the Lord and the Lord saved me, I, wasn't even, I never even heard tongues. I never even heard that term. You know, some, there's many people that are just don't know the riches of God's grace. And then when I heard about this, I began to pray and, and I found that it was real. And the Lord filled my heart and, and I thank God for that precious gift. You know, anything the Holy Spirit does is beautiful. I've led my entire family in to experiencing the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you to do same, the same. But we know in the book of Acts, many tongues were spoken. But notice here, he doesn't only mention tongues of men, tongues of angels. So somehow tongues have certain language that they communicate with, other, with each other. That would be incredible. And then he talks here about prophecy. That's speaking the word of God, both foretelling and foretelling. So here's someone that can, that can prophesy. That is, on its basic sense, it's foretelling. It's preaching 
under the it's inspired speech. Holy Spirit inspired speech. The prophet is speaking powerfully by the Spirit of God. Or foretelling. Being able to prophesy and foretell the future. Like Samuel said, Saul, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go down here and you're going to go down there and you're going to meet the prophets. The Spirit of God's going to come on you. Someone's going to offer you a, a certain gift. You're going, to, you're going to take that gift. How did the prophet know that? Because they were called seers. Seers. Powerful. Knowledge. He's talking about knowledge deep of the deep things of God. Paul was taken to heaven. He said, I heard things unspeakable. What if, what if you gain knowledge that was just so incredible that you could wow people? How do you know that? The wisdom of Solomon to wow people. And he talks about faith, miraculous faith that can do the impossible. You know, there's so many incredible miracles in the Bible. The greatest one is not the Red Sea. The greatest one is not the multiplying of the loaves and fishes or even Jesus walking on the sea. The greatest miracle known to man is what we sang about tonight, that my Savior Jesus came out of the tomb. But here, faith to do the miraculous. Then he talks about giving all his possessions to feed the poor. And he even talks about this, to give, if I give my body to be burned... I mean like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, King, we don't, we're not bowing to your image. And, it, and even if, you, even if our, God, our God can deliver us, but he, if he doesn't deliver us, even if he doesn't, we're not bowing. Go ahead and throw us into the furnace. And we, go, we commend them and go, wow, what sacrifice? Paul mentions every single one of those. And he's exaggerating on purpose. He's talking about extreme supernatural gifts. And he says this, you can do all those things and they can be genuine. But if you don't do them in love, he says this, Paul said, I am nothing. Now, what happens is the way God sees things and the way we see things are different. We see people and go, oh, they're great. And God says, no, I don't think it's great at all. Because God sees different than man sees. God looks on the heart of a man. God looks on the sincerity of a man, you see. And so what happened is, Paul says here, I'm nothing. But notice this, he said, it, not only I am nothing. In other words, I'm, I, if I do it that way, I'm not anything in the sight of the Lord. But then he says this, it profits me nothing. So in other words, there's, there's no eternal reward for ministry done like this. Wouldn't it be tragic to do ministry your whole life? And then he said, it profits me nothing. There's no treasure in heaven. So, so do, you, do you capture this this evening? Ministry without love is valueless. It, it may look like it's doing something, but it's not going to be fruit that remains. We were talking about that to somebody this evening. We want fruit that's going to remain. I was talking with Sister Maria last night in the hospital around 9 o'clock. I went up just to check on her before she went to bed. And I was up there praying for her. And they began to tell me about someone when Brother and Sister Castile pastored. There was a gentleman who was an alcoholic years and years ago, and Brother Castile, now some of you don't, some, most of you know Brother Castile, some of you never got a chance to really know him, probably the most loving man, or one of the most loving, kind men I've ever met in my life, a gentle, loving soul. He started reaching out to this man, alcoholic, and just struggling at his life, but through Brother Castile's loving witness, this man gets saved. This has been years ago. Well over 20 years ago. Do you know where that man is today? Not back in the bar. He's still in the very same church. Still serving the Lord vigorously in the very same church. He's not a floater. He's not a you know, floater around and hop and shop. He just do it. Fruit that 
remains. And, and our little porch out here that you know, we might need to do some concrete work on. Marie said, he can help you. He does concrete. I thought, oh, yeah, amen. But do you see this here? Ministry without love. Paul said, I could do all those great things. Preach crusades and prophesy and speak in tongues and have a miraculous faith and give my body to be burned. Give all my possessions. But he says, notice, he says here, he said, but if, I, but if do not have love, it profits me nothing. No value, no profit, not going to impress the Lord. All that doesn't impress the Lord. That's all grace gifts. Notice that? See that? Ministry without love. But notice this. Then we have four through eight. Oh, now this is, now I just want to go ahead and tell you, this is where the conviction comes in. Okay, you ready? It's built in, all right? This is going to hurt. Hurt, hurt me a bunch of times because I had to go over this over and over again. And I thought, yeah, I fell there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. Yep, yep, that one. And checking them off going, forgive me, Lord. This is a description of love. You won't find this, you won't find anything better than this right here any place because this is given by the Holy Spirit. So what this is, this is love's reality. It's what it does and what love doesn't do. First of all, love is patient. And that just simply means it's willing to tolerate shortcomings in others. And it's, uh, it's not overly critical. And the reason is, I think, because someone who's patience, patient is God's work something in their lives. How many know you're different now than when you first started? Now, let's be honest. Let's just shoot straight here. But when you and I first got saved, we knew it all. We knew how it all ought to be, right? We knew how the church ought to be. We knew what the preacher ought to do. And if everybody would just listen to us, and you know, we were God's men of faith and power. But what we really were was nothing. We were nothing. But I think God works patience over time. And over time, what we do is we see our own weaknesses. We see our own failures. We, we, we stump our toe and we get up and we realize God had mercy on us. And after a while, we realize how good and merciful God's been to us. And what it will create, if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to do it, it will create patience in us for others. And we, we won't be so quick on certain things. Patience. Love is kind. That means it treats others with love and compassion. He said it's not jealous. That means... It's not bothered with the success of someone else. When somebody gets a raise, do we get a little, I call it static in our spirit? A little static in our spirit. You know, somebody gets a blessing. Instead of saying, I'm so glad their family got blessed. We go, why didn't I get that blessing? Right? It's, it's, that's that old part of us that we, that's that old part that's still trying to hang on. The Holy Spirit's trying to work all that out of us. But love is not jealous not envious of what someone else has. It's satisfied. Also says, and this is one that's very important. We've lost this in our culture. Probably lost it in the church to some extent. I'm not saying this. I'm just saying in the church world you see this. But it does not act unbecomingly. That means it's not rude. You know, something powerful about courtesy. There's something powerful about addressing someone courteously. Um, being kind. Uh, being gracious being winsome. You know, the Bible talks about thinking on things that are lovely and good report and things that are beautiful. Do you know that if, that if, if we look at things that are coarse and we, we, we get that in our spirit, it'll, it'll affect us and it's affect the younger culture today. 
I had a pastor tell me today, said I had a youth pastor come in my office, walked in my office and sat there and threw his, threw his feet up on my desk. And I said, son, take your feet off my desk. It was just rude. It was just coarse. Like, why would you do that? See, what happens is when we lose contact with God, when we lose the love of God, it shows up. But when we're full of God's grace and love, we don't act rude. We don't act that way, but we act gracious. The Holy Spirit is the most gentle person you'll ever... I heard some, uh, Dr. Kendall said, the most easy person in the world to grieve is the Holy Spirit. To grieve the Holy Spirit is the easiest thing to do because He's so kind, He's so gentle. And he doesn't hang around where there's harshness. And I think if you had gone to the Corinthian church with all this tension, it would have felt just this tension. If you would have gone to the Antioch church, you would have felt the grace of God. You just felt this warmth, that sense of comfort, that sense of, of, of graciousness. It's there. But love is not un, it doesn't act unbecomingly, un, unbecomingly. Verse, or the next one is, it does not seek its own. You know, in other words, it's not trying to advance its own cause. Not trying to get its way. That's not what love does. And then it says it's not provoked. That means it doesn't get angry e easily. Now, it doesn't mean that all anger is wrong, but, but I would say most of it is. You know, you ever got angry? You ever got frustrated over something? I think probably we'd all have to say yes. I've met very few people that at one time or another in their life, they didn't get angry. And, and so, it, but it doesn't, it's not provoked easily. And then it also mentions here that it does not take into account a wrong suffered. In other words, it doesn't bring up past failures. And I mean, you know, in our relationships, that's an easy thing to do. You know, I know, hey, back in 1972, it was 10 o'clock and, you know, you ran off the road and busted the tire. You know, we can bring stuff up. You're like, where'd that come from? That's that, listen, that's that old part that likes to hang on to us. And when we saw that on TV today, when that young man, he said, I forgive you. That's one of the most powerful things that I've seen publicly. I mean, they, they showed the whole thing. And I, I could tell even the newscast people were like, the, even the, the gentleman said, that was very powerful. So you know what? That was grace released. It was amazing. And, and it touched my heart. And it spoke to me and convicted me. And, but it... But it it doesn't take into a wrong account suffered. That's what he said. Love doesn't take into an account a wrong suffered, but love covered. It's not, it's not like we're trying to keep a list. You need to let it go. Amen? Come on. Let's just say that. Let it go. All, all been through stuff? I'm letting it go. How about you? And then it doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness. It doesn't rejoice. You know, our culture rejoices in unrighteousness. It celebrates sin. But you know what we do? If we're full of God's love, you know what we do? We grieve. You know, we see someone get a divorce. Oh, it just hurts us so bad. When we see someone fall into some sin, even if they, you know, like somebody in the world, some celebrity, we, don't rejoice. we grieve over that. Why? Because love does not rejoice in iniquity. But what does it do? But it says it rejoices in the truth. That means this, that it, 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 it loves the truth. See, here's the thing. When we talk about love, there's a mis- I uh, almost said diagnosis. That's not the word, but it's a, a mischaracterization of love. Love, real love is pure. Real love is, has righteousness to it. You know, this thing, if you love me, you will. You know, maybe a young man would tell a young lady that before they're married. If you love me, you will. Well, you know what I'm talking about. 
That's not love. Because real God's real love rejoices in righteousness. And it, it, it loves truth. And it seeks truth. And that's what love does. It speaks truth. Truth is very important to love. And so love speaks the truth. It seeks to live the truth. It seeks to walk in the truth. That's what love does. Also says it bears all things. That means a person that's full of love will be faithful and loyal. They're going to bear up with you. A friend, what does it say? A friend loveth at all times, and a brother's born for adversity. You know, love, love will hang with you. People that truly love you will walk in when everybody else walks out. Got that? And so love bears all things. Love believes all things. It doesn't give up. It, 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 it has hope to it, you know? It believes all things. It has the, you know, you may be down, but hope, but love says, but I believe you're going to make it out. Oh, you stumbled, but lay, just get back up. You're going to make it. You're going to be a success. Failure doesn't characterize you. Get up and move on. And so it believes all things in that. And it hopes all things. In other words, it looks ahead, as I've said, to better days. It's going to work out. There's a hopefulness to love. And then it endures all things. It stands firm in the midst of trials, in the midst of storms. Notice this. Love never fails. Love never fails. Love is always the right thing to do. It's always the correct attitude to have. It never fails. It's never wrong. It's always right. You're never wrong if you walk in that spirit. And that's a description of love's reality. Now let's think about what we've talked about this evening. We've talked about ministry. Didn't have any love in it. Paul said it's a great big zero. It will have no value in eternity. It has no blessing from God People may say, oh, you're something. But God says, no, that's a zero. Because it's a motive of our heart. Of not just what we're doing, but why we're doing it. All right, we're almost done. And then the third thing I, I jotted down on my... Just, I just have a few little notes tonight. I didn't even bring my computer, which I normally do. But uh, I want you to know... Look, Let's read verse 89. Here's the temporary nature of the gifts in compared to love. Look at verse 89. Love never fails. Then he says, but if there... Are, are gifts of prophecy, notice this, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, he says. So what's he saying here? He's saying the, that, he said, okay, now look at it this way. What were the Corinthian church seeking? They were seeking these gifts. They wanted these gifts. They wanted the tongues and all these gifts, and, and in the right spirit and in the right order, those are great, and God wants them. But this is their, what they were seeking the most. What, 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 what were they then? They were seeking more what was temporary than what was eternal. Because he's saying here, the gifts are temporary. In this church age, we can experience the gifts of healing, the miraculous gifts, faith, Tongues, interpretation. I want to have more of God's spirit and God's blessing. I want all of you to be used in the gifts of God. But think about this. There's coming a day when we won't need those anymore. So that means prophecy, which probably here, predictive prophecy. We're not going to need that one day. Because the prediction will be here. We won't need it. Prophets will be all out of business in heaven. Poor guys. We're going to be on the side of the road. We'll work for food, you know. <laughs> we'll need those guys. And then, and then tongues. 
is, as I've said, is a gift for this age. Maybe we'll understand all the languages. Maybe there'll be one language. I don't know. But I know this. It says the Word of God says it will cease. Won't need that. What about knowledge? Knowledge will pass away. Why? Because what he's, when he says knowledge, he means partial knowledge. Don't you want to know more about the Lord? Oh, I want to know so much. I read and read and read. And I think, oh, please, Lord, help me to understand this more. But even a, a, a great theologian can study all their lives. And they just know about this much about God. Just like a little thimbleful. And they may think they're so smart. Oh, no. He, the heaven of heavens can't contain our God. He's the all-wise God. I mean, just look out at the nature, the world of nature. Look at the incredible. Just look at the leopard. Look at the jaguar, which is cooler yet. I love jaguars. I don't know why. I mean, the leopard's a sissy compared to the jaguar. The jaguar, a male jaguar is about 200 pounds plus. A leopard can, goes for the throat. But a jaguar, he's so strong, he crushes the skull. He can run 50 miles an hour plus. Not as fast as a cheetah, but close. Amazing. They love to swim. You look at that. That's like a, a creative killing machine, you know. He's a, maybe, I should have, maybe I should have talked about more gentle, something like a bird or something. But, you know. but just incredible. Just look at the universe. Look at the planets. Look at how our, our solar system is. Look at the atmosphere around the earth. Look at how it's, it's amazing. And so our knowledge is just like that. It's like a little partial, little partial knowledge. All that's going to be done away with. And why is it going to be done away with? Because, because of this. Look at verse 10 through 13. What we have is we have in eternity... Our salvation will be complete. Our number, or the great, one of the great things about eternity is we're going to get new bodies. Our bodies are, are going to be renewed. And we're going to get spiritual bodies. I mean, it's really mysterious. It's, bodies like, it's a body like Jesus' glorified body. It's a body that doesn't get old. It's just going to really be amazing. But don't you know our minds are going to be so expanded to know God more, to know Him, to fellowship with Him. And it's, going to, it's where we're headed. You understand, the greatest blessing in the world is upon you. God's greatest blessing is you. He, what He's done through His Son and where you're going. Why, why somebody wouldn't want to be a Christian is just beyond me. Because not only is the best life now, it's the best life later. Because we get to walk with Him in the earnest down here. And to know Him and to know His Word and to walk with His precious people. But in eternity, we're going to get... I think we're going to stand there. I think the first million years will be just with our mouth hung open. To see the multitudes of angels and the throne of God. And Paul said, it's words unspeakable. But notice this, why love is so important. It's because in eternity, our salvation will be complete. Look at verse 10. It says, and when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. I, do, I believe that means that when the Lord comes, when the Lord comes as creation groans, we groan for the adoption of the children of God. When that which is perfect comes, when the Lord comes in his coming, 
to restore all of this. We won't need tongues. We won't need prophecy. We need them now. You need to pray in tongues every day. We need the moving of the Holy Spirit. But notice when the Lord comes, he says, when I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. So Paul has given an illustration here that a man who is an adult, a mature man, acts different than a child. And he's saying, down here, we're children at the best, but yet we're going to be full grown in heaven. We're heading to complete salvation. Verse 12. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Oh, that is, can I just stop there a moment? Just another moment. Now we see through a glass darkly, but even through a glass darkly and even dimly, isn't it glorious? Even the dim view. Now the dim view, not God's part, but our, our lack of capacity. Our, our, still, our, our lack of capacity to experience God. Our, our, the, the part of us that is yet not fully redeemed. Incomplete salvation. Final salvation, that is. Even that is glorious. To see Christ. To, to experience the Holy Spirit. That's a dim view. But then he says this. Then face to face. Face to face. To see Jesus. To see Jesus. Face to face. Peter said this, never seen him, but I love him. How do we love him? Why do we even love him? Do you know there's one reason? The Holy Spirit creates a love for Jesus in you. Romans 5, 5. The love of God is poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Then he says, face to face, now I know in part, but then what I will know fully, just as also I'm fully known. God fully knows us. He, we're going to know fully, but he knows us fully now. He knows if we're ministering in love. He knows our motives. We're fully known. We can't fool the Lord. He, he's, his eyes have perfect sight. But notice this. But now, but now faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. This is the most excellent way. Now think about this. Why, why is love greater? Because love is eternal. Faith is we trust Christ as our Savior. And we walk by faith. The Lord's the author and the finisher of our faith. And faith and hope always go together. Hope has to do with the future. And we look toward the future. We trust God now. We have hope for the future. But then love is eternal. And throughout all of eternity, we're going to experience God's grace and love in a way that is, I mean, have you ever been in those moments when you just felt like the love of God was so close? That's nothing. That's not even a fraction of what we're going to experience of God's full, complete, unbounded love. And it's not that he is going to be more loving, it's that we will have the capacity to experience God's mercy, God's grace, and God's love in an unprecedented way that I don't even have the vocabulary to describe to you. So, as I conclude this teaching tonight about a more excellent way, just think about what we've talked about. We talked about ministry without love, talked about the description of what love is, beautiful description. 
We talked about the temporary nature of the gifts versus the eternal nature of love. And as we conclude, I want you to think about this. The Apostle Peter was one of the Lord's choice servants and particularly chosen, especially chosen, a wonderful man. He gets a bad rap, but I, I like him. He's a full throttle guy. I mean, he's all in. He's a guy that's, you know, he's all in on everything. But he was a, a man that boasted. See, people think pride, you know, people that are prideful are kind of boisterous and this, and they look strong, but pride doesn't make you strong. Pride makes you weak. Prideful people are actually weak people. But loving and gentle people are actually strong people. They just look weak to natural thinking. Peter's going, I'm, I'm never going to deny you. If all these disciples deny you, these are weak guys. Look at me. I'm the great apostle Peter. I'll never deny you. And Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me. Tonight you're going to deny me. No, I'm not going to deny you. But he did deny the Lord. And, you know, the scripture teaches he wept bitterly. And it just broke his heart. He, he, it's, like, it's like us reading 1 Corinthians 13. We read that and we want to weep because we think, man, I wasn't patient today at the dollar store or you know, got frustrated on 635 or, wow, I, I brought up something to my loved one that I, that I shouldn't have. You know, all kind of stuff. Uh, that's the reality of what we're tempted with. It's where we live, okay, in the real world. And Peter felt that same way. He felt and just... Didn't know what to do, and he went back to fishing. And the Lord shows up. And there was, there was no success in the fishing until the Lord said, cast your net on the other side, and they caught a great catch of fish. And Peter then wasn't worried about fishing. You, you know his conscience was hurting, his heart was hurting. He disappointed the Lord, he disappointed himself. He did, he, he, he said, um, he did something he said he wasn't going to do, and he realized that his own flesh was weak. We can't be strong in the Lord in our flesh. Only the Spirit. Only humble. Humbleness is very powerful. And so he gets out of the boat. He swims to shore. And there's Jesus. And I can almost imagine, you know, Jesus already had the fish ready. Already had it cooked. And I can almost imagine as you're just sitting there a little bit, and maybe there's a few words shared, but maybe there was just a little bit of quietness. Maybe he was just there with them, not really saying a lot. And then finally, because it says, you know, they knew it was the Lord. And finally, the Lord looks at Peter. Jesus looks at Peter and said, Peter, you love me more than these? Oh, wow. He just, that was like a dagger to him. But I, I don't think Jesus said it in a mean way. I think he said it in a loving way, but, but truth. You love me more than these? And he said, you know, you know I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. And then again, the second time, do you, do you love me more than these? You know I love you, Lord. Tend my lambs. And then the last time, Peter, do you love me? And I think after he said it the third time, you know, it really goes along with the three denials. And then he said, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And I think what he was saying to Peter, of course he was restoring him to ministry, but I think what he was saying was, Peter, what's important is ministry and love. Go, 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 
get your eyes off yourself. Stop serving for the wrong reasons. Go feed my sheep. Go serve me by serving others. And we know that Peter never denied the Lord. Wrote two great books, three great books, really. You say, well, three great books. Wait a second. First Peter, second Peter. But don't you remember the book of Mark? Mark is Peter's gospel written down by John Mark. So he wrote three books, we believe. Did a great work. Amen. Let's stand. As we conclude tonight, I want to conclude in prayer. And I think the application is we just purpose in our heart to serve the Lord in grace and love and let him get all the glory. So, Father, tonight, thank you for your word. Thank you for this most excellent way. Lord, we certainly ask that you forgive our hearts. For we read through this wonderful passage given by the Holy Spirit to the great Apostle Paul. And we see in so many areas where we have faltered and failed. For this, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your mercy. Just like Peter needed your mercy, I need your mercy, and we need your mercy. Lord, I pray that you would let, let it be said of, the, of this church, Trinity Life Church, of what it was said of the, of the Antioch Church, that the gra- they would see the grace of God here. They would see your mercy and your love here in a very special way. Fathers, we leave. Pray that your grace would be upon each of us. Keep us safe. Bring us Sunday morning and Sunday night for an incredible time of ministry in the Lord. And we pray, Father, that you receive all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless each of you tonight.